0: getting your Bible to Matthew chapter 22. It's uh, good to have you in our parenting class. This is our fourth uh, week of uh, 12 uh, together, together, working through uh, uh, subjects of all sorts. And uh, as always, we'll start our class with uh, uh, some of the questions that uh, you turned in at the end of class, and that's what those little papers are for. I really wish everybody would write something on it and just turn it in and just pile it up here and uh, whether you have uh, nothing to say, scribble on it or whatever, make some snide remark about my hairline, uh, anything, just uh, turn that in so everyone can turn them in anonymously then that way. Uh, Question number one, I don't get anything out of church when I try to sit through an evening service with my kids. Why should I go to all the trouble? Uh, Teaching your children to sit through church is an important spiritual lesson. Uh, Most obviously they they see the importance of not missing church uh, to their parents. Uh, sitting through an evening adult church begins to link them uh, with the faith uh, of their parents and through singing and messages and teaching and preaching uh, and it's what links us together with faithful believers of all centuries. You know our, our music here we don't sing all old music well, we sing a certain kind of music we sing church music and some of it's been written recently some was written a long time ago and uh, there's something wrong when Uh, Either all the music in the church is not familiar to people who have been saved for decades, or none of the music in the church uh, has been written recently at all. There is something uh, wrong with that, and you're linking your faith to your, your children's faith. Uh, It's important to place them in things that are age appropriate, you know, where they're dealt with with their age, children's church and Sunday school and master club and teen ministries, but it's also important to link them together with with your faith. Uh, I don't know of a parent whose hope and plan is not someday that your children would follow in in the faith, you know, that that you have rather than just go in a different direction. Uh, By the way, too, it's a good life lesson for your children to learn uh, to sit through something uh... that isn't just completely interesting to them uh... one of the biggest problems in schools is children can hardly sit there anymore without being entertained and uh... sitting and listening it's a life skill i get that it's difficult uh, for some kids to do that but you know it's a life skill it's a life skill to be able to sit still and listen and and pay attention and and that's just one of the places you can teach them come up with some uh, strategies that are age appropriate for them uh, when our kids were little, we had uh, some coloring books that they could only use when uh, they were in church. Uh, we didn't let them use them until the sermon started. Uh, they would have separate markers or crayons or anything that were special that they could only use at that time. There's a lot of things you can wisely do to make that time special for them. Uh, on the way home, always ask them, name one thing that you learned. You know, And if they just give one thing... I mean, if, if you took one thing home from every time you came to church, that would be a success. And uh, you know what? Reward them for, for listening. And um, the, you know, just don't pretend like they're adults, but don't pretend like it doesn't matter either. This combination of positive and negative reinforcement is a powerful uh, thing. Question number two, how can parents properly and convincingly counter legitimate scientific arguments against biblical events? Uh, first thing you need to understand there are no legitimate scientific arguments against biblical events. Uh, there are reasonable scientific and historic answers. To any objection that people have to the Bible or to Christianity or to those things. Sadly, I mean, most people, they don't take the time to inform themselves. Uh, in our bookstore, there are apologetic books on every subject you can uh, name, from the creation uh, all the way up to the resurrection of Jesus and reasonable uh, scientific, historic answers to those things. But in the end, um, it's always going to boil down to who do you believe. I mean, you're going to always have to make a faith choice. But but don't just assume that because you're the kind of Christian who doesn't need answers for some of those things, that your children are not the kind of people who need answers to those things. Uh, I'm a why person uh, from this big up. I mean, yeah, whatever you ask me to do, why? And, uh, you know... Because I said so a lot of times is the end result. But you know what? If you can give your children uh, things that help their faith, if they're a why kind of a kid, that's just good parenting. Question number three, how do you handle a small child not wanting to eat something you want them to eat? You know, one of the things that is really important to learn as a parent is you gotta pick your battles. Uh, remember the most important thing to teach your children is to obey and follow rightful authority, starting with your own. <laughs> And, uh, and so whenever it's a battle of wills, you need to win that battle and you need to start really, really young. If you don't win those battles when they're young, trust me, you're not going to win them when they're 15. And that being said, um, I don't think it's healthy to make your dinner table a battlefield every night, um, I think out of respect, you're teaching your children to respect other people and what other people do, I think they should eat some of whatever you take time to cook. Now, I do think as a parent, you're really, really wise to be careful what you decide to cook. I mean, why are you going to make your kid eat a a heaping plate of squash when you know they hate squash? You you know what? If you feel compelled to have squash, make make them eat a tablespoon of it. I think it is more harmful for your children, long term, for their dinner table at home to be a constant battlefield, than it is for them to, you know, miss cauliflower and broccoli and squash and beets from their, uh, from their diet. You you know, you got to be wiser than that and and do both these things. You know, Uh, get them to eat as healthy as you can, but. You know, by the way, I I really think the dinner table, as much as possible when you're raising your kids, it's a good tradition to have. And I know because of schedules you can't always do it, but as much as you can. It's just a good thing. Don't make it a battlefield. Uh, Question number four, how do you balance secular things like sports with being a Christian? (laughs) Life is never easy to balance. And uh, most questions of balance are not easy to answer, and you need to get wise counsel about your specific circumstances. I personally, and you may not agree with this, but I I recommend that every child be encouraged to do things outside the church. I think in order to live a healthy adult life you need to be able to get along with lost people who are not in the church. And I think in order to serve the Lord Jesus Christ you need to be able to get along with Christian people in the church. And so uh, I recommend uh, both things. Uh, when there's a conflict, I think you should choose the Lord. Now, I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but I think you, choose, you should choose the Lord. Don't expect the world to agree with making Christ first. I mean, they're never going to do that. Um, but, uh, by the way, as parents, I would always seek things to have my kids involved where it minimized that conflict. You know, there, there are some hobbies and some sports. I mean, they are like almost geared to be contrary to living as a Christian. Uh, and then there's others that, you know what, it, it's not so much of a, a conflict. So seek better things. Um, some interesting but not serious quotes. Uh, number one, having one child makes you a parent. Uh, having two makes you a referee. Uh, number two, uh, where parents do too much for their children, uh, the children will not do much for themselves. Uh, a couple of th- thoughts to think about as as parents. Uh, Number one, seek wise counsel from people who might be able to help you instead of people who are going to tell you what you want to hear. I I mean, I'm telling you, it is the toughest thing when it comes to getting advice to seek it from someone who might give you wise counsel instead of someone who's going to just tell you what you want to hear. Number two, uh, counsel from parents with older children is usually better than counsel from parents with no children or children who are younger. Uh, Number three, Be willing to let your children fail at times instead of shielding them from all opportunities to fail? Uh, Listen, if you want to raise a weakling, someone who is dysfunctional in society, someone who cannot fulfill their potential as a Christian or as a human being, then what you do is you shield them from all failures, all criticism, all trouble, all difficulties, and I guarantee you, you will raise a weakling. Uh, That's not what God put us here to do. He put us here as parents to find our child's potential and do everything we can to help them fulfill it. And today, as I said, we're in week four. Uh, I don't have all the answers. I've seen a lot. I've been through a lot. It wasn't all good. Uh, But I do, with all my heart, I I do want to help you. I get that there's probably nothing that you're more passionate about uh, than your children. And and by the way, that's a positive quality for a parent to be passionate about their children. But the foundational question that uh, goes to the basis uh, of this whole series is simply this. Does God know more about what will give my child a better life than I do? And so that's why we're establishing biblical principles as a foundation for all of these uh, parenting issues. And last week we started on the subject of healthy relationships. And we spent our whole message talking about uh, pointing our children to a relationship with God. Remember, uh, according to Jesus, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And so to fail in that is a terrible failure for our children. We talked about how to point our children to making that choice. Uh, And uh, the second most important relationship uh, is the one we're going to talk about today, and that's their relationship with people. Uh, No amount of success in life will counteract the pain and the suffering of a trail of broken and unsuccessful relationships. It will not matter how much money they make, it will not matter what they have on their business card. Uh, it will not matter how nice their property is. If their life is just filled with nothing but broken relationships, I'm going to tell you what, uh, that is a terrible terrible burden to bear. should be in your Bible in Matthew chapter 22. We'll read the same text that we started with last week because it's kind of like our launching pad for this fact. Uh, in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 35, it says, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbours as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Uh, Which brings up this interesting question, how can I point my children toward loving people? Uh, Loving our neighbor as ourselves is the second greatest commandment. And behind our relationship with God, our relationship with people is the second most important thing. Now, loving people is a step higher than getting along with people. And Jesus taught that the second greatest commandment is to take that step and actually love them. Uh, But our children, they will never love people unless they first get along with people. Um, This is a hard lesson because there are a lot of parents that don't get along well with other people. And they don't have healthy relationships. But getting along with other people is this step along the road to ultimately ending up deciding to love them. And the fact of the matter is, is just like we cannot force our children to love God, we cannot force our children to love people. But we can do things that would make that decision easier for them, and we can, especially in our own home, and especially when our children are younger, force them to get along uh, in their own home. Getting along with other people is learned behavior. It is not a talent. It is not a gift. I get that some people, their natural disposition and their natural personality, it does lend itself to more easily getting along with other people. But to get along with other people and to love people like we should, it is learned uh, behavior and uh, in fact one of the biggest problems in our culture today if you look around both in our culture and in the church is this lost idea of teamwork and in a world where children so much of their time and is spent on electronic devices whether it's the television or the internet or games or something on their phone we shouldn't be surprised that our children have more and more difficulty getting along with other people. Uh, If you haven't realized and haven't made your children realize that people on Facebook are not really your friends and those on Twitter don't really follow you, then you haven't grasped what's going on in the world around you. I mean, those are all pretend relationships. I didn't say don't be on those things, but those are not real relationships. In fact, the matter is is that everybody here, including myself, has struggled from time to time getting along with others, and we've felt the pain from that struggle. Sometimes that pain comes from uh, the way we were in our own home and the way our parents handled us. Sometimes it comes from a spouse. Sometimes it's come from children. Sometimes friends, neighbors, people in the church, And it started all kinds of ways. There's people in this room, and you have no idea how to get along with other people because your parents didn't get along. And they didn't teach you to get along with brothers and sisters. And then, to top that off, you started out in that environment, and then you never bothered to learn yourself. You just decided, well, even though I'm in this environment, it's all I know, I'm not going to try to figure out what I need to do. And and I'm just saying, that's got to stop. You know, it's a wonderful thing to just say, do you know what? Some of these things that I started with in life, I am not going to pass on to my children. Um, One of the great things my dad did, my dad, his dad was an alcoholic. And he beat my grandmother. And that stopped when my dad was 15. He was a boxer and he stood between my grandmother and my grandfather and said, it stops today and you're going to have to go through me to get it with him. He was drunk. My dad had to fight and beat up his own dad. I thank God that despite a lot of the ills in my home as a child, my dad did not drink, my dad did not beat my mother. He decided it was going to stop with him. And and it's a wonderful thing if you and I get to the place to say, you know what, I recognize this and this and this that was bad about the way I come up, and this and this and this is good, but this bad stuff, it's stopping with me. And of course... When it comes to getting along with other people, like so many things in life, when we teach our children that, it begins with them observing us. <laughs> I you know, didn't grow up in a Christian home. I've been amazed, now that I've been a Christian for 34 years, at the way some husbands and wives treat each other. I'm just amazed. I am amazed at the way uh, some Christian people treat other Christian people. I don't get it. You know, healthy ministry and healthy life does have as its foundation good doctrine. But you know what? Good doctrine is not an excuse to mistreat anybody. And one of the reasons that God placed human babies with their parents for 18 to 25 years is our example. Listen, they're watching how we handle ourselves when we're tired and busy. They're watching our example when we treat how we handle people that we deem to be less important. They're watching our example as we treat our spouse when we disagree. They're watching our example in how we treat our neighbors. They're watching our example as they listen to us interact with pastors, deacons, ministry leaders, and teachers in the church. They're watching our example as we respond to other people who teach and lead our children in other areas of life. They're watching how we treat minorities. They're watching how we treat the elderly. They're watching how we treat the sick. They're watching how we treat the weak. They're watching how we treat our own parents. They're watching how we respond when we're wrong. Listen, there is not a perfect parent other than God our Father. And our children watch what we do when we're wrong. I hope you're not the kind of person who never apologizes, who never admits you're wrong. What a terrible legacy to plant in their heart. We can and should force them to get along with the people in their life because this is the first step toward loving other people. There's a story told about a a little boy. He was sitting in the front steps. Uh, His dad came home, pulled in the driveway. The little boy had his face cradled in his hands. He was really troubled. He was really upset. His dad came home, sat down next to him, said, what's wrong? the little boy looked at his dad and said, well, just between us, Dad, I'm having trouble getting along with your wife too. I mean, we need to teach our children by our example how to get along with other people. That's our first teacher, which brings up the interesting question, how can I teach my children to get along with other people? There are some key qualities to this. Go back in your Bible to Proverbs 16. You may or may not agree with this, but uh, this verse here to me is a great foundational principle when it comes to getting along with other people in life. In fact, it's just a great life principle. If this isn't underlined or highlighted in your Bible, I I hope you would do that so that... When you regularly read through proverbs, this will just stick out and, and jump out at you. Uh, proverbs chapter 16 verse 32. 16:32, "He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city." <laughs> You're better to be slow to anger than to be a very powerful person. You're better to have control of your spirit, your attitude, than to be somebody who gets a great military victory over a city. And by the way, that, when this was written, that was a big deal. Here's the first thing to teach them when it comes to getting along. Number one, teach them to control themselves. <laughs> in fact, force them to do so in an age-appropriate way. Like I said, I, I believe learning self-control is one of the three or four most important things we teach our children. Uh, like with this verse, start with controlling expressions of their temper. Listen, everybody gets angry. Did you know some people get angry, and when they get angry, uh, they stab people or shoot people? Now, there's nobody in this class that thinks that's an acceptable expression of anger. And so because it's not an acceptable expression of anger, when you get angry, you don't get a knife or you don't get your gun. But because we have other things on our list that are acceptable expressions of our anger, we break those out when we're angry. We need to learn self-control of our temper. Don't think that children who never learn to not blow their stack are going to suddenly control themselves after they walk down a marriage aisle. Again, you can be under control 99.9% of the time. And what happens in that 0.1% of the time, you can end up in jail, you can destroy your spouse, you can hurt your children. And it really boils down to self-control of our temper. There have been a lot of people hurt and destroyed by violent and angry outbursts, and the likelihood is is that didn't start as an adult. That went on when they were a child, and it was never properly handled. Probably started with some kid throwing a temper tantrum. There's an old... uh, uh, america's funniest videos video it makes me laugh every time i think about it and this mom is videoing this kid this this kids little enough doesn't get what it means to be videoed and so this kid throws himself down on the floor he's ah! the mom walks away goes in the other room uh... she's got the camera going he gets up walks in front of the mom throws himself down ah! she goes into the other room with the camera he gets up walks in throws himself down <laughs> Listen, self-control is a choice. It is learned behavior. Uh, there are probably adults here this morning, and you still try to manipulate your spouse and your kids by losing your temper. That's terrible. Uh, not only control of self-control of temper. How about self-control of the way and what and how they communicate? Yelling responses. (laughs) Walking away from a discussion without a word. Listen, if you're getting angry, it is perfectly acceptable to say, you know what, Uh, I don't want to get angry here. I I need to walk away for a few minutes. Please let me walk away. It'll change our house. How about saying things you don't mean in an argument? I mean, there's parents everywhere, and your children, when they get angry, say something like, I hate you, and you don't do a thing about it. You think that's going to help their marriage? Uh, I'm talking about things like not talking to somebody for extended periods of time. Uh, Listen, when you ask your children a question, there should always be an answer. Uh, if our kids were upstairs and I yelled somebody's names up there, I, I'm, I better hear what. I'm not talking about yelling three times up there. I'm talking if I call somebody's name, I better hear what, or I'm going up there and somebody's in trouble. That's respectful. When someone asks you a question, you you answer. You know, I wonder how many marriages get destroyed because somebody never was taught how to communicate. I'm talking about self-control of what you do when you're mistreated. Listen, being mistreated is an unfortunate part of life. I don't care who you are, I don't care where you are, you are going to be mistreated. There is a devil and people are sometimes just people and and sometimes people are ugly. You're going to be mistreated. How are you going to respond? I mean, someone mouths off to us. Do we mouth off? Someone's unkind to us. Do we become unkind then? By the way, when our behavior is controlled by what they do, then we're not controlling ourselves. They're controlling us. And self-control is one of the most valuable things to build in our own life and to teach our children. In fact, the more self-control we teach them, the better off they'll be in every area of life. Listen, if they don't learn to control themselves, they will be controlled by the police, by their teachers, by principals, by all kinds of things. And it's so much better for them to control themselves. Listen, there's probably not anybody here that doesn't wish you had more self-control when it comes to sleep, or eating, or exercise, or you name the issue, and it really is all the same subject. Have you ever noticed what they do when somebody's in trouble? Whether it's addictions, or or jail, or uh, what they do... Uh, when uh, you're trying to make a soldier or you're trying to make somebody who's going to be a general, do you, you ever notice what they do first? Structure. Structure. <laughs> M- maybe we need more structure in our homes. Maybe it's better for our children. M- maybe the way you learn to control yourself is to first be controlled and then have that. Uh, authority gradually give that control over to you and then you control yourself by the way i i believe that's what we should do in our homes our homes should be very structured especially when our children are little Uh, they should have a lot of control uh, that you have over them as children and the older they get the more and more rope you give them so that they eventually become independent functional think-for-themselves adults The fact of the matter is most kids would do whatever it takes to get their own way. And all over this room are parents who are being manipulated by your children. By the way, it's easy to teach them And if they cry long enough and hard enough, eventually they'll get what they want. It's easy to teach them if they ask often enough and whine enough, they'll get what they want. And all over this room are products of somebody who grew up with that philosophy, and that's the way you handle your marriage. You whine, and 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 you get what you want. That's a terrible way to live. And we fuel this when we don't teach our children to control themselves. Self-control is learned behavior. You're going to have problems. It's normal. <laughs> God gave them to you for a long time on purpose. Just be strong. Don't give in. Keep working with them on this. Teach them to control themselves. Self-control is not a talent. It's learned behavior. You've got years to work on this. Number two, go up in your Bible to 1 John chapter 4. We're talking about teaching our children. How to get along. Remember, the second greatest commandment is that they would love people. But we can't force them to love people. they got to choose that. And so the first step on the path toward loving people is getting along with people. And we can teach them how to get along. We can help them learn that. And we can point them toward loving other people. Number one was teach them to control themselves. Uh, number two is teach them to get along with their own family. Uh, first on chapter 4, verse 20. It says, If a man say, I love God, hateth his brother, he's a liar. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? This commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Now, certainly this probably first applies to in the church where we're brothers and sisters in christ but it also applies in our own home it kind of almost seems shocking to us that brotherly love is set forth as an example of healthy love and we had three boys and i gotta say you know what brotherly love was not always on display but there's something that can and should be there, and and though we had plenty of issues, in the end, our our, our boys they were best friends uh, when they were growing up, and now. Uh, Romans twelve ten says, "Be kindly affection to one to another and brotherly love." Uh, <laughs> remember, our, our target is always their heart, but first and foremost. We have to control their behavior, and they must choose what they do with their heart. And home is a practice ground for getting along with other people everywhere. And so we need to start there, teaching them to get along. By the way, I believe that one of the reasons God puts people in biological families is so we learn to get along. By the way, that's one of the reasons I believe God placed his children, believers, in a church family is so that we would learn to get along. That's part of why we're here. You know, as a parent, you need to be bothered when your children struggle to get along with other people and be bothered most when it's in your own home. I'm amazed at how many parents let their children live completely separate lives at home. In fact, I don't like this kind of so-called Christianity that's nice to everybody outside, then you go home, then you're meaner than a snake at home. You come to church, ah, and you home. That's not right. You know, living separate from, from, from each other in the home, I mean, that is not good for anybody. The walls of our home should never be an excuse for treating people the way we really feel like treating them. Listen, everybody's got flesh, (laughs) our kids and us. We're just not supposed to give in to it. In your home, what I would strongly recommend is that cruelty and disrespect be things that bring some kind of discipline in every case. Remember, you can never control everything your kids do. All you can do is control how you respond when it happens. If you haven't parented long enough to know that your kids are going to do some things that you didn't teach them, you haven't parented very long. And cruelty and disrespect, you ought to have some kind of response. You know, sometimes, now I don't think you need to get to the bottom of every disagreement in your home, you know, sometimes it's good to let your kids work things out, but you know what, sometimes you need to decide to really get to the bottom of what happened and do something about it instead of just believing the first report. Listen, there's no way our children are going to go through their entire childhood mistreating everyone, walk down a marriage aisle, and then all of a sudden treat a spouse right. Kids are always going to have problems getting along. That's normal. Just don't let it go and keep working with them on this. In fact... I would be highly surprised if you parent for very long and you don't have some serious disagreements in your house. I mean, we could tell some stories uh, about some serious disagreements. Now, fortunately, uh, we never had any fist fights or anything like that. And I mean, I know that happens in some houses, but we didn't have that. We had plenty of other stuff. I mean, stuff happens, but it's our job to, to do something about it. Um, sibling rivalry, rivalry is as old as siblings'. The very first two brothers disagreed so strongly about religion that one killed the other one. I mean, that's without the influence of any lousy culture, any bad friends. I mean, that is just from the human heart. They're going to disagree about what's on television, uh, whose clothes are, th- are this, who sits in the uh, passenger side, who rides up front. Y- you know what? Just work through that stuff. Uh, you can help them. Don't pick favorites. Uh, if you have more than one child, there are going to be natural dispositions that your children have that are easier for you to get along than others. You, you can't help that. What you can help is that You don't ever express that. I mean, we don't have time to turn there, but if we studied what happened with Isaac and Rebekah and the fact that each of them had a favorite, it caused, uh, fueled the rivalry between uh, Isaac or uh, Jacob and Esau, and in the end divided them for their whole life. Is that what you want? We need to battle this. Minimize the sibling rivalry by the way you handle them, make them teammates. When you can. Don't always have them be competitors. When they compete, don't always let them compete just in the thing where the one kid always wins. Have them compete in uh, when they do compete in, in things where th- some of the others. But, by the way, as a parent, don't hate all competition. I, if you're one of these parents, well, I don't want to keep score, there's no winners and losers. Listen, what a dopey way to prepare somebody for life. You know what? It's okay to lose sometimes. It's a part of life. Just like being a gracious winner is a part of life. Teach them all those things. As I mentioned to you before, when things were no consequence issues, we had our boys, they would first play odd man, you know, one or a two, that gets one guy out, and then the last two guys would play paper, rocks, and scissors. Everything was just quickly decided I want the front, I want the front, I want the front. It was done. Very simple. Now, some things have bigger consequences. You need to have them take turns. You say, I can't remember. They will remember. Verbally appreciate and speak highly of the strong characteristics of the other child. It's how you teach them to respect their sibling. You know what? When one of our kids would come to us with some legitimate issue with his brothers, and by the way, there's legitimate issues. I mean, everybody has weaknesses. Everybody does dumb stuff. You know, when they would bring that up, and you'd say, okay, yeah, you know what, that is one of his weaknesses, and we're hoping he's working to do that, but you know, you have this weakness, and we hope you work on that. You, you're, you're just teaching them how to get along. As a parent, uh, look for your child's natural gifts and help them use them, as long as there's uh, some productive use of them. I mean, you may not agree with this, but we, we look for some mainstream stuff for our kids to do. Uh, we're conservative biblical Christians. That isolates kids enough. And so, you know, we, we picked mainstream things for, the, for their hobbies. They played soccer in the fall. They played basketball in the winter. They played uh, baseball in the spring. We played on rec teams so that the competition was just okay. But you know what? Um... They didn't fulfill their athletic career to their fullest, but I'm okay with that. I want balanced human beings. Um, we didn't let them have any company over if they were mistreating each other. Now we could do this because all of ours were the same gender, uh, but when somebody came over, brought their friend over, you didn't get to exclude your brothers. If your brothers wanted in and you're playing and your friend's over, he's in. And if you give me grief about it, well, next time he ain't coming over. You learn at home. So, well, my kids wouldn't like that. Well, you think mine did? You know, I don't want to share my friend with my brothers. Kids are kids. Uh, we purposely did things as a family. We did it all the time. Listen, we didn't have money like some of you have. I mean, I remember like going out, out with my boys and the four of us splitting an icy. And it wasn't even a large. And you're like there on the straw when somebody, it's their turn. They're going to go as hard as they can. you got to be there to pinch it. <laughs> Do stuff together. That, that's how you build relationships. That's how you get along. That's how you learn to get along. They're going to have problems. Having problems, getting along is normal. Just don't let the grievous stuff go and and patiently work with them. God gave them to you for a long time. Uh, And lastly, uh, number three, go to Acts chapter 17. Here's number three. Teach them... Uh, force them to respect people who are different from them. Acts chapter seventeen, verse twenty four, Paul's preaching he said, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples, made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell in all the face of the earth. Did you see that? God made all men and all nations of one blood. Uh, all races descend from Adam and Eve. We are one blood. There's really only one race. That's the human race. God manifested his love toward all people, for God so loved the world. (laughs) And part of being godly, part of being like God, then, is to find love for all sorts of people. Not just people of all races. I'm talking about people who have beauty and lack thereof. People who have talent and lack thereof. People who have abilities and lack thereof. People uh, who are different from us. Our children need to learn to get along with more than just their family. Listen, it starts with your family. It just doesn't stop there. I mean, in fact, the matter is is that most of us here, you know what? You're not going to be able to educate and employ your children for the rest of their life. They're going to have to learn to get along with other people, which means you're going to have to give them opportunities to be around other people. If they can't get along with anybody but adults when they're a child and anybody but their family, they're going to have trouble in their life, so we need to teach them to get along with more than that. Listen, every child is opportunistic. (laughs) especially when they get to be a teenager. It's not part of being bad always. A lot of times it's just a part of being ma- immature. We didn't allow racial slurs in our house. We put our boys, as I said earlier, on secular sports teams. But we focus on them building relationships with kids in the church. Our oldest son, Wall, he was um, a very individualistic, high-intensity guy. When he was young, he wanted to do karate. We didn't let him. Because he didn't need to do something individualistic and feed something that was his weakness. He needed to be on a team sport to feed something that was better for him. Uh, We didn't let our kids do things like skateboarding. Say why? Because that culture generally is not a very godly culture. So when they would borrow a skateboard, you know, I mean, I didn't say don't have a skateboard. I said, ah, it's too bad you're not as good as that. It's, you know. Listen, if you're not smarter than your eight-year-old and and wiser, I mean, why are you there? I mean, what you compliment and and encourage them is what they're going to be most inclined to. And I've got to stop there. You're going to have problems. It's normal. Teach your kids to get along because it is the road. Uh, to loving one another, which is the second greatest commandment. And uh, fill out a question, put something on the paper, and uh, just put it in a pile up here. I'll get them later. And uh, God bless you next week. We'll start on something else.